0: Welcome, welcome. You are listening to the VBAC Link Podcast, and this is your co-host for the day, Julie Brinkham, and I miss you guys so much. It's so fun to be back here, but I am also here with Megan Heaton, the co-founder with me of the VBAC Link. And and, uh, we're so excited to be on a really special episode with you today. We were actually just having lunch together the other day, and talking about life and birth and everything, and we just decided that it would be better if we recorded the conversation. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to record our conversations about birth and VBAC and uh, everything in between. And uh, before we get into it, though, Megan has a review for us.
1: Yay! Yes, I do. And it's always so fun to have you on, Julie. And I am excited to just have our conversation that we were having the other day, only recording it. Because it is definitely a great conversation to be had and to be heard. So if you guys didn't know, April is Cesarean Awareness Month. And so this month, we're going to be kicking off with some extra episodes in addition to our stories. So here is number one for you. And as Julie said, I do have a review of the week. And this is from Mathletic. And it says, Empowering and Addicting. Says, this may be my second time leaving a review, but it is because I am preparing for my second feedback and felt that it was necessary. I first found this podcast as I prepped for my VPAC in 2019. I religiously listened to a new episode on the way to to and from work daily, and I'm always excited for the Wednesday morning's new episode. Julie, that is crazy to me that 2019. People have been listening since 2019, 2023, Um, who says this podcast has given me so much education and strength that I took going into my TOLAC and achieving my successful VBAC in May of 2019. I am now preparing for my VBAC as I am 36 weeks pregnant and due in early June, although, and this was in 2022, by the way. So last year. Although I now I have now had a back, I knew starting my mornings off with this podcast again with this pregnancy would be be something that would help me get into the right headspace. I sometimes feel like Megan and Julie are now my new friends. Oh We are. We're all of your friends. We We are. are We are your friends. (laughs) Yes, as we commute to work together, (laughs) we've been commuting with her, Julie, to work. Yeah. Uh, This is. I am very bummed to learn that they there was a break. I was very bummed to learn that there was a break. But I am so pumped when I found out that we are we were returning this May. So yeah, seriously, this was a long time ago, you guys. We Mm. returned in two thousand twenty-two. Thank you for all that you are doing and helping us mamas feel educated, supported, and strong as we go into our next birth. I recommend this podcast to all my friends, even the first time mom friends that, and as it's been such a great wealth of knowledge going into any birth, which I could not agree more, this podcast is going to teach you so much. Not only how to have a VBAC, but how to avoid a cesarean in the first place and as we know right julie this is we're talking about this cesareans are through it's through the roof it's above 32 percent here in 2023 and it is sad it's scary and it's it's concerning it is concerning why are we having so many cesareans so we're gonna take one moment and then we're gonna get going into this wonderful new episode
2: The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan.
1: Hi guys, Megan here. I'm not sure if you knew, but I'm a vaginal birth after two cesarean mama myself. Preparing for my VBAC was tough due to the lack of evidence-based info back then, along with where to find it. Which is why I, along with Julie, created this podcast and our signature course, How to VBAC. The course is self-paced so you can watch it whenever your kiddos are sleeping or even at school. It's filled with evidence-backed data, tips, and advice to help you go after the birth you want and achieve your VBAC. You can find the link to the course in the show notes today or type in the browser the VBAClink.com slash VBAC class. Okay, Julie. Hi. I miss you. Hi. I love you. And I just Aww. saw you last
0: week. It was so great to have lunch with you, like just jibber so jabbering away about life and the birth work and getting old and <laughs> my salty attitude.
1: <laughs> Your <about> salty <laughs> attitude. You guys. About birth. We're going is- we to talk about She has become a little salty and sassy. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: I've always been that way, but I feel like I was pretty good at toning it down and being diplomatic, you know, um, especially doing the back link and things like that. But definitely have opinions like we all do. Right. Um, We just want to make sure that we feel like we're including everybody and that everybody has a safe space here. And we certainly want to do that on this episode as well. But, you know, being I'll I'll hit 100 bursts this year, Um, Megan, you're like probably like 600. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) No, Um,
0: but either as a doula or birth photographer and you know what, like one thing that I want that I wish people could understand a little bit more maybe, or take more seriously is that doulas and birth photographers probably have the most unique perspective on childbirth because we see births in the hospital, out of hospital, at a birth center with hospital OBGYNs, clearly middle hospital midwives out-of-hospital midwives, unassisted births, we've seen a few of those, and we have such a unique perspective, and we see how things unfold in each environment, with each intervention, and with each provider, and I wish that somebody would like hone into that, and try and work to collect those experiences and perspectives, because you know what, if you ever want to hear about the, the state of childbirth in the United States and probably even the world, because a lot of um, countries are not too different from ours. Talk to a, a freaking birth worker that does hospital and home births, because that is where you're going to find these priceless gems and perspectives that you're really going to learn from. And, and yeah, I just, I, I wish more people could see that because
1: yeah. anyways. It's hard because, you know, we have clients hire us as their doula or their birth mm-hmm. photographer. And, you know, we talked about this at lunch the other day, how we come in and a lot of the, like one of the main things as a birth worker that we are going to do is talk about what birthing experience that person wants, right? Because it is important to us as birth workers and as your friends to help you get the best experience that you can get and help you get a lot of those Things that you desire, right? Mm-hmm. Like, w- am I wrong there? Like, that no, is one of the, I think the that's biggest right. things, right? Like, that's one of the biggest things of being a doula is. It's like one of the most important things is helping these clients, helping our our parents help you know help them get these births that they want. So we come in and we ask things like, "What would you like for your birth? How do you envision your birth? What?" kind of things you desire to or to not happen in your birth and it's more often than not a very similar answer right it's mm-hmm. usually things like i would like to labor at home as long as possible i would like to go unmedicated if not as long you know if not as long as possible go mm-hmm. you know before wait until getting up in a drill. I would like to have a vaginal birth and avoid Mm -hmm. unnecessary interventions. Mm -hmm.
0: Don't want to be induced.
1: Don't want to be induced. I Mm want to go into spontaneous labor is what I was just going to say. So yeah, don't want to be induced. I I want to avoid a a cesarean. Yep, I want to avoid a cesarean. I want to push as my body and myself is, you know, directs and not be. Don't want to push on my back. (laughs) <laughs> don't want to push on my back. Things like this, right? Like these are things. And if you're listening to this episode, I'm assuming you're shaking your head. Yep, mm-hmm, that's what I want to. Yep, that's what I want to. And that's not a bad thing that we don't that we want these things. It's not a bad. It's thing. a good thing. It's natural. It's, it's a natural. Primal. Yes, these things are things that we want for a reason. What I hear when I hear these things is, I want to birth the way my body is going to birth and was made to birth, mm-hmm. right? Yep. But as birth workers, as Julie's talking about, we have this interesting perspective because we've seen things and I, I, I'm not going to sit and say that I've seen all the scenarios and all the things in birth. I, I've right. not. You know, again, I've not, no, I have not seen, (laughs) been to 600 births, but I have been to (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Um, And I'm still learning as I go, but there's, there's so many situations where I, I can see things unfolding. Mm -hmm. And so we have these, this client, these people that are wanting this type of birth. And then what, Julie, what happens at 37, 38, 39 weeks? Oh, we better
0: do an ultrasound to see if your baby's measuring big or check your fluids or my gosh, I hear you complaining so much about being pregnant. Let's just induce it 39 weeks, you know, you know, you can pick your birthday or your baby's birthday. You can do this. Or all of a sudden your blood pressure is maybe a little bit high. So maybe you have preeclampsia. So you got to test that. And then what does that do? It stresses you out and makes your blood pressure high even more. And so everyone starts to get a little anxious because the due date's approaching mom. Mom, dad, parents are getting anxious. Providers are like, okay, well, we don't want you to go past this date or especially with VBAC. Oh my gosh, it's not safe to go after (sighs) 40 weeks because that increases your chance for uterine rupture. Not true. Or we've got a big baby. Or we've got a big baby and your last baby was eight and a half pounds. So we want to make sure, you know, all of these non-evidence-based reasons.
1: Yeah. Because
0: people treat... Forty weeks, like an expiration date, rather than an average,
1: yeah. and that's
0: right. when, in a hospital system, things start to happen that decrease your chances of all of those beautiful, perfect, wonderful things that you want in your birth.
1: Yes, and, and, you're prob- and
0: yeah, sorry, Go no, ahead.
1: you're fine. You're fine. I'm <laughs> um, just gonna say, like, this is what this is what we see happen so often. Mm-hmm. You know, we we meet with our clients at. 24 to 34 weeks pregnant. And these are their desires. And this is what their hearts and their souls are saying based off of a lot of the times what they've learned too, right? They know the evidence-based information. And so they're like, based off of that, I don't want to do these things. But then 37 to 39 weeks, 40 weeks comes and we have these new Introductions and new um, seeds being planted, mm-hmm. and some for some reason those things leave. They leave our mind. It's like, well, you're tired. It's right? like when you're they' pregnant. Spring. Yes, and, and you're
0: easily influenced. And yes, you want to be done. And yes, it sounds nice to be done sooner. Yes. And oh no, you don't want. To have a complication or preeclampsia or a big baby, that sounds scary. Shoulders, shoulders go dystocia sounds really complicated. And, you know, it is in some instances for sure. But like when you start planting those little seeds, then they grow and that self-doubt. And then we can, it's easy to confuse our worries and fears with intuition.
1: Yes, yes. And so that is the hardest part because we're like, we're getting these seeds planted and then they're being watered. Mm-hmm. And the seeds are growing and they're, the roots are pushing out what our intuition was saying from mm-hmm. the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. And then we make choices and decisions. And we are human beings that have the opportunity to make these choices and decisions. But sometimes we're backed in these corners because we're being poured on, right? Our seeds mm-hmm. are being poured on and we're being flooded with overwhelming, scary feelings and Mm -hmm. so as a birth worker it's it can be frustrating I'm gonna be super honest Julie must be spitting the salt at me I don't know what she's doing here but (laughs) yeah it's so infuriating to see and and heartbreaking to see someone we know and And love love and love go into this Face that we know that's not where they wanted to go, and then see the the things happen, the cascade happen mm-hmm. when it didn't need to. And so the other day, everyone at Zupas was probably like, "Whoa, these two broads are like yeah. crazy." Because <laughs> we're we're very animated. We we're very quiet. <laughs> we're you know yeah, we're not quiet people first mm-hmm. of all, and we're not animated. And I feel like in the past, Julie's like a little bit more toned down like with her like her her bluntness like she'll be blunt but like I'm like over Um, the top and she's always like oh my gosh Megan stop you know (laughs) and now I'm just like heck yeah girls (laughs) together we're like at Zupa's like saying these things and I was like my one of my questions is and I wish I had the power and the knowledge and the just the time to pr- produce this huge study because I really want to know what happens if we do nothing what happens what happens and Julie started adding to that you want to talk about what you added to that like
0: yeah I mean do you,
1: do you remember oh like I want to
0: yes I will Okay, sorry, my mind's going in like 17 different paths right now, um, like it usually does. So I think if you really, really, really want to get a good, uh, good perspective about birth, really sit down and talk to a doula, one that you haven't hired, because I know when my clients hire me, they hire me for my knowledge and my um, experiences and to support them. And I'm not necessarily going to say my full unbiased opinion with a client because right. I don't want them to feel like I'm not supportive of them because I am supportive of them and I or want to support them in the way that them. I need it. Yeah, and we I don't, don't want, want them jade. to get doubts about their birth plan going into it because mm-hmm. everybody else is planting doubts. So I don't want doubts to come from the doula. So, but really sit down and talk to a birth worker, because I'll tell you what, I see way smoother births at home. I see way less need for induction at home. I see more love and support in the birth space at home or birth center, right? I see more mother-led pushing, way more mother-led pushing at home. I never, ever see anyone birth on their back at home, ever. I see more partner involvement. I see kids involvement. I see whoever the freak you want at your birth involvement. I see mothers more satisfied with their birth experiences at home. I see babies healthier and more skin-to-skin time and, and happier families and happier outcomes at home. Hands Mm -hmm. down. Yes. Are there a few here and there where it's hard and they need more help or there's a hospital transfer every now and then? Sure. But I guarantee you, you are, you are more likely to have problems and your baby is more likely to have problems in a hospital because it's set up to control things. And it's not set up to trust the mother baby unit, to trust the parent baby unit, the birthing person, whatever, whatever pronouns you choose to use, Mm -hmm. insert them here. And it's not set up like that. And it's not your provider's fault. It's not your nurse's fault. It's not anybody's fault. It's the system and the way that it's integrated and taught these health providers that birth has to look X, Y, Z and has to be done by X, Y, Z. And the baby should be this size. And the mother's X, Y, Z has to look like this. Mm-hmm. It is all set up to facilitate of, of a system that does not trust the parent's baby units. Does not yeah. trust it at home. It is very well trusted. It just is. It just is. And I, and I don't want to sugarcoat it. And this is maybe where my saltiness comes in, but you are a lot more likely to have that birth experience at home. And yes, it can be done safely. And yes, there are skilled providers at home that will keep an eye on you and transfer you as soon as you might need any medical assistance, because it does save lives. It has, we've seen it, we know it, but most of the time you are yeah, uh, I'm going to just pause that here for a second <laughs> <laughs> and go into where you were trying to leave me here, Megan. No, um, you're just fine. <laughs> we were sorry. I just have so many opinions, clearly. Um, It's, it's passion,
1: Julie. It's yeah, passion. You it have is. passion because you are seeing things, you know, and I am too. I'm seeing things that it, they're unnecessary. They're mm-hmm. unnecessary. So we'll go, we'll kind of, We'll circle back to where I was going, but we'll we'll kind of start where you were at, right? Like, there are so many unnecessary things that are happening in the system that is so frustrating as a birth worker to see, because we also have seen the other side. Mm -hmm. We have seen, yes, Julie and I personally, we have experienced the other side. Right? Mm -hmm. She was at home; I was at a birth center, so we've, we've. seen it and experienced it. And so the passion that is coming to you through this episode is because we believe, we know as we've experienced it ourselves, as people who have given birth in a system that is quote unquote off the you know straight and narrow path, <laughs> um, As a lot of people say, you know, it's a little lot. Some people, yeah. are like, like when people were hearing that I was gonna be back after two sisters out of hospital because oh. I kept it quiet for most people. But yeah. you know what happened when it happened mm-hmm. online? I mean, people were attacking me. How dare you? People but- are gonna throw salt at us now for this yes, episode.
0: But Get like. Ready. Message me on Instagram, Julie Frankenbirth. I will,
1: I will, I will engage with you in your comments. But no, I think it's just this. This is passion coming from you. This is your Mm -hmm, passion. Saying like, I have seen other things. I've seen other opportunities, and so um, we know, we know women of strength. We know that it is not always suitable, comfortable, appropriate for you to birth out of the hospital. We know that. We do. We definitely just have seen things outside of the hospital that are incredible. Way better. Than, They're right? way better. Way better. Are. And
0: so... Um, hold, hold on. Let me interject here for just a second. People might say, oh, well, you've only been to 100 births. You know, <laughs> providers do 100 births a week in a hospital yeah. or know, probably not 100 births a week. That would be way a lot. But so significantly busy- more... Significantly more. I am not going to argue that at all. But I've only been a doula for eight years, 100 births, right? That's like 10 to 12 a year because I was having babies in between then as well. Last year I did almost 30, which was, which was super great. But here's the thing when you're in a hospital, you're only seeing hospital births. You are only seeing hospital births. You are only seeing like I don't even know statistics for this. I'm just going to make one up. Like maybe 90, 95% of people have an epidural in a hospital. I don't know, maybe 70%. I don't know. I should probably just erase that number, but a lot. And And if you don't have an epidural, guess what you have? You're hooked up to an IV. You have continuous fetal monitoring right? You are in a the very system that we're trying to break away from right now. And that is what you see. You don't see hands-off birth. You don't see the normal physiological process that happens when you do nothing, right? And yes, at home, you you have the intermittent monitoring every 30 minutes. You do the lab work and stuff like that. And the routine tests and everything like that is done at home prenatally and during the birth. But what happens? Like you don't just don't get to witness that if you work in a hospital in the labor and delivery unit you don't get to see that
1: yeah and just so- a quick search by the way is like 65 to 80 percent of people receive um and anest- like epidurals Epidural and
0: mm-hmm. oh, there you go yeah.
1: go, <laughs> um but yeah so they they don't their their opinion is mm-hmm. tainted a little bit but mm-hmm. you know and this this is why i kind of wish that we could like i had the power to do this study um, yeah. and if there is one, and you are listening and you are aware of this study, please let us know. But the study of like what happens if we do nothing, right? so we we know the arrived trial, right? Like we know that if we induce people at thirty nine weeks, we sorta know what happens. <laughs>
0: um we either induce them at thirty nine or we induce them at forty and five right, so this so this is the
1: thing like we know that right like. Really, this hasn't really been done for a long time. Like, we know, okay, like ACOG says, like, 42 weeks, you know, this is where this is the cutoff. We've got increased risks of things like stillbirth and things like that. But, like, okay, so at 42 weeks, we assess. But what happens if at 38, 39, 40, 41, we do nothing? Nothing. What happens if we don't strip our membranes? What happens if we don't even perform a cervical exam until 42 weeks? What happens happens if we don't talk about induction? If we don't, yes. We don't even talk about it. Don't talk about induction, right? So what happens if we do nothing? What does our cesarean rate do then? Like, I'm really curious. Do we go down? Do we go up? Do we start having more issues? You know, I don't know. What does just, maternal and fetal mortality look it like? Look like, yes. Right now,
0: it's a disaster.
1: Yes, and so it just makes me so wonder. And so, you know, cesarean awareness month—it's—it's it's something that is near and dear to our hearts, and we want to bring awareness to to it. So, you know, cesarean is thirty-two point one right now percent. Thirty-two point one. I want to say went up twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one preliminary
0: data. The cesarean rates went up, surprise.
1: But what do we know as a birth worker, what do we know that happened during that time? What did we see? I'll tell you what I saw. Induction, induction, induction. Support, people's support systems being taken away.
0: And people's support places, systems. Yep. They couldn't even, they wouldn't even allow partners there. Guess what else happened? Everyone put masks on. Who feels secure? And some people had to push their baby out wearing With
1: a mask, a mask yeah.
0: Birth being a very instinctual and intuitive process anything that creates that feeling of unsafety or difference or fear will interrupt that process. It will make it less efficient. So when you are taking away people's partners from the birth room, when you're making everyone wear a mask in the birth space, when, if you had a positive COVID test, or if you did not want to do a COVID test, people would come in wearing like hazmat suits
1: to come in. I had a, uh, Client, or even uh, when, even the fear of testing positive and then the threat yeah. of everybody being taken away, baby. Yeah. And, everything. and all
0: of these things interrupt that process. And then, yes, people, COVID, I can't even imagine what it was like in the healthcare system. I cannot even imagine what it was like to be a healthcare worker during COVID and having to deal with all of that stuff. But needing to also predict and schedule births to control the amount of patients coming in and out of the hospital created this need yeah. for, you know, this need, I'm using like air quotes right now, for induction and for yeah. causing things to be a little more predictable for everybody, which I can understand that to a degree, but also it it introduces the need for other interventions to get the baby right. here, including
1: a cesarean. Right. And So yeah, so we're seeing this stuff happen, and it is just Mm -hmm. so hard because, as you know, if if you've been with us for a really long time, you know, right, and you know what we're here. We're here to educate on birth after cesarean. We're here to educate on your options for birth, and that doesn't mean you have to have a VBAC either. Yeah. So you know, right before this call, Julie and I had another call, (laughs) and we're talking about like, not necessarily. like, we're not advocating for a cesarean, but we're also not saying you're bad for having a cesarean, right? So we're not pro cesarean people. We're not like advocating for unnecessary cesareans, but at the same time, we're not shaming anyone or wanting to make you feel bad for choosing that route, right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Like, I think it's important to say that, like, our intention is not to shame everybody, but also there's a certain point where we you gotta stop sugarcoating everything. Yeah. And I, I, I tell this to my clients too. Like, I am not gonna dance around the issues with you. Like, I'm gonna tell you mm-hmm. things directly. Like, I'm gonna I'm I'm never gonna lie to you. I'm never gonna say X Y Z. Like, I'm not gonna tell you you're wrong for choosing this or whatever because I don't think anyone's wrong for choosing this. But I feel like it's so easy to get coerced into doing something we normally wouldn't have done. Um, I feel like it's so easy to feel safer in a hospital because that's how we were raised. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like some of these things are ingrained so deeply in us that it's hard to break away from them. But I also am not going to pretend that people's choices are conducive with their, their birth preferences. Like there are just some things that don't go together. And natural birth in a hospital does not go together very well. It just doesn't. And it's not natural, like unmedicated hands-off birth does not happen well in a hospital. And it's a lot harder. And it's it's much more of a fight to get that in a hospital versus out of hospital.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think too, like, uh, it's important to talk about creating that space and that environment. And if it's in the hospital, okay, but let's talk about how to set that up. How Mm -hmm. to set that space up. I mean, we talk about, like, we just recently posted about creating a more homey, comfortable environment and things like, um, and we'll make sure to drop all if you guys are interested in checking out these awesome um, things, you know, like getting into your own birthing gown, right? Like going to a hospital, taking off your clothing, Mm -hmm. Naturally, Julie, you, you just talked about this in a second. I want, to, I want you to bring up what you were talking about yeah. with me. But Sorry. naturally, showing up to a new location with new strange faces that's maybe a little cold, maybe a little foreign, maybe a little staged looking, right? Like mm-hmm. everything like folded up on a bed and, and then taking off your clothing. What does that do to our body, to our mind? That immediately puts us in a ugh, uncomfortable a little bit of a fight or flight mode. But yeah. And so you know, we talk about and like putting on this like open this thing that like open in the back so our butts are showing and you know, mm-hmm. all of these things. And so getting into your own gown, into your own soft, cozy, comfortable gown can bring you some comfort even though you're still changing once you're getting there right like or maybe you go there in that maybe you prepare and you you get in that before and you go or maybe you don't like ivs and like the thought of an iv like it looks like ugh, yucky there's like iv covers to maybe take it away and make it feel less hospitaly cuz you're in a hospital right but julie talk talk about what you were saying earlier i was like huh I actually never thought of yeah. that.
0: So I saw this on Instagram a few days ago and I'd seen it circulating around before. Um, and I and I wish I knew what account it was, and so I could tell you to go look at it, but I don't remember. Oh, maybe I saved mm-hmm. it. I'll have to look it up while I'm talking. But it basically said, like, what happened, what would happen if we conceived babies in the same manner that we deliver them? Like you have mm-hmm. to. In order to get pregnant, okay, now we want to preface this with sometimes like people need interventions to get pregnant and sometimes you have to have IVF or, um, you know, other things in order to have a baby. But for most people, what if in order to conceive a baby instead of being in the comfort of your own home with your partner or I guess whatever, wherever you decide to conceive in a car, in the forest or whatever <laughs> forest. Uh, forest, a movie theater. Um, anyways, whatever your choice, not my business. Um, what if instead of that, you first went to the hospital, changed into their gown, got your blood pressure taken, got connected up to an IV just in case, you know, you need to be hydrated or have some kind of medication. Had monitors placed on your belly. Had monitors placed on your belly. Had um, nurses coming in and out until you can't get started, until the doctor comes in.
1: and asking sure you lots okay. of questions. Asking Which you all about is- your
0: insurance, your cycle, and when your last period was, and all of these things. How do you think you're going to make a baby in that situation? You know, like... You bring your partner and then, like, okay, partner, like you go change now. Partner gets changed, and then everyone's watching you. Like everybody's watching you. They're on the monitor outside. Uh, well, I mean, even they there, like if babies are born, everyone's watching. Freaking hands in the vagina, freaking yeah. everything. And yeah. what happens if we would conceive babies that way? How would that right. work? How would it work? So let's flip it around. Let's flip this around. What happens if we birth our babies? In the same manner that we conceive them. We get in our house, whether movie theater, forest, car, wherever. <laughs> uh, we go into our home, we turn the lights down, we run a hot bath, we snuggle with our partner. We we, you know, probably don't want to have like your kids or your mother-in-law or whatever in your space, but like what happens if we created that same environment to Increase the flow of our natural hormones Mm -hmm. to safeguard and protect that process and make it as intimate as it was Mm -hmm. when we conceived our babies. Yeah, it's a it's a big big question, right? It's way better, and I can say it's way better because I've had my own, but also I have seen hundred over hundred almost births, and I see the contrast. Mm-hmm. I see the contrast and it's a beautiful situation when it's allowed to unfold naturally. And every once in a while I'll get a nice unicorn birth that um, has a nice uh, unmedicated parent led birth in a hospital, but it's yeah. very rare.
1: So I want to talk about that because, you know, with cesarean awareness month, like that's what we're doing. Like that's what we do during ces- cesarean awareness month. Like right? we talk about the things like, reducing preventable cesareans, preventable in- interventions, talking about advocating for birth after cesarean, advocating for yourself. And here we are. And we go into this space, into the hospital and what do we're vulnerable? What mm-hmm. do we do? We feel vulnerable, right? Because I'm not, I didn't go to school for four plus years. I didn't study this. All I know is I went to the forest and had a conceived a baby, right? Like or a movie theater. Yeah, (laughs) like I went in. I had this. I've learned. I've learned. But now I'm in this space and I'm vulnerable, and it's bright and it's it's like Julie said. It's this less ideal space to give birth, right? We would never conceive there. Why would we give birth there? But if you're in that space, what do we do? What do you do? What can you do to create a better space, a better environment? You know, we just had uh, a mom on who she wasn't a VBAC, but you know, her video went viral. yep caitlin (laughs) yes or maybe actually she might not even have been (gasps) actually her her episode hasn't even aired yet um but you guys definitely need to check out the video on our social media because it is so incredible chills chills all the way from head to toe went viral because you guys she advocated for herself She had nurses, bless their heart. We love nurses, by the way. If you're a nurse, we love nurses. Don't want to say we hate nurses, but she had nurses following their protocol,
2: following to get her the their bed,
1: steps, their natural steps of blood what pressure. they've been trained, Trying to get blood pressure, trying to monitor baby, try to get her on the bed, try to get her cervical exam. Because how how would it be if she was four centimeters and her midwife was called to come, right? Yeah. Like these things are being told to her, you guys, she is pushing out a baby as she's being questioned for all of this stuff. She's literally pushing out a baby out of her vagina, standing up in this hospital room. That scenario, that story is few and far between Mm -hmm. because it is hard. It is so hard. You guys, I was like, a mom in a birthing room the other day at the veterinarian i had my puppy and we're sitting there and he, this doctor's like we have, do this. we have to do this we have to do this we have to do this you guys i'm a doula i know how to advocate do you want to know what happened i put my phone this is a real thing I, this really happened wait you have a puppy well he's like a puppy he's like five, Oh, like, but okay. he's like a puppy I okay. had <laughs> my pup my pup And anyway, so we're there and he's telling me all these things we have to do. And then not only is he telling me what we're having to do, he's doing things to my dog in front of me and then telling the nurse what he's doing and charging me for these things that I did not ask for. I did not consent to. Okay. And I Mm -hmm. left and I literally paused and thought, well, holy bleepity bleep. Beep, bleep, 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 blah, 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 blah. Leap, lots of leaps. That is what happens in the birth room way too often. Yep. Women of strength, we do not want this to happen to you. Julie has spit her salt all over and it's all over me too. We're feeling oh, it. Oh, I'm not done. We're feeling it. We're <laughs> feeling it. Coffee. Don't let these it's things happen fun. to you. It's <clears> okay, <throat> okay to stand up for yourself, it is okay to say, no, thank you. It is okay to say, I hear you. I respect you. I feel differently. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. Or maybe at a later date or maybe at a later time, right? I've done or just cancel
0: your prenatal appointments. I mean, like, Maybe. I'm not advocating for that, but I've had clients be like, you know what? I know that like when I go to my 37 week visit, then they're just going to push for this and this. So I just canceled. Like, I'm not concerned about everything's yeah.
1: healthy. Just, yeah. Just-, just, just, you just don't have to do anything. And I think one of the biggest things and one of the, the biggest places we can <clears throat> start at avoiding these unnecessary cesareans is by staying home. Is by staying home and <laughs> advocating for it. you guys, y'all can tell where Julie is feel she's feeling it here at home birth, right? But like I just see it. Go ahead. I you all know. No, 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 I don't. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's okay to stay strong. It's okay to stand strong and try your hardest not to let your vulnerability because it's there, you're so vulnerable in the end you're tired, you're miserable, you're vulnerable. We just want this baby in our arms. We just want this feedback more than anything, right? Don't let people break your vulnerability as we sneak in there and take advantage of you because there is no need. Now, obviously, if there's a medical, true medical reason, we understand that, right? They happen. And like Julie said earlier, we're grateful. We're grateful for this. Is this? But there's situation. no shame
0: in that, and you should have mercy on yourself if you got railroaded either by the system or by an unexpected emergency. Have mercy on yourself. Give yourself grace because it happens, and, and and it's not okay that it happens. Like if the system is the cause of that, but like it's not a reason. It doesn't make you a bad mom. It doesn't make you a bad human. It doesn't make you a bad anything. It it's just what happens sometimes.
1: Right. I mean, most cesareans are unplanned because of the like we had no idea of what was happening but a lot of the times these cesareans are happening because they're sneaking in these little you know sneakers i don't even want you to, i was going to call them weasels sneakers. <laughs> sneakers. just weasels <laughs> like they're weaseling their way in and to and tapping into our vulnerabilities right like i was I was not the vulnerable one with my second C-section. My husband was and my Mm -hmm. provider saw it and he snatched it and turned him against me. Right. And then what did I do? I walked down for a second, unnecessary cesarean. So we don't want these things to happen to you. And we want to bring awareness. And maybe you're like, wow, these chicks are coming in on strong. But you guys, we are passionate. We love you. We, love we want this you pre- to
0: have the birth you want. Yes, that's, we why we're, that's why nothing hurts me more than loving someone, knowing what they want and seeing them get railroaded in a hospital setting.
1: And that's what we see a lot of these times. And as, we as see it a
0: lot, a lot, especially more as a birth photographer. Yeah. like as a doula, um, I was more involved in the prenatal prep and things like that. Sometimes I show up to birth as a birth photographer, and I've never met the people. Like they fill out my questionnaire, they hired me and I come in and I'm like, hey, I'm Julie, you're in labor. It's nice to meet you. And those are the hardest ones because like I'm never going to watch somebody suffer. Like if you're suffering, I'm going to put my camera down and come and help you. Right. But like for parents that especially first time parents that um, didn't feel the need to do any type of childbirth education or learn anything out of the process, and you just sit there and watch them get railroaded by yes. the hospital setting and you're watching trauma unfold. And you're just like, how is this happening? But you know how it's happening because you've been watching it for years, right? You, and I'm talking about myself in third person or second or whatever person, but here's the thing is it breaks our hearts. And we see it all the time. We see it in the v community all the time. Like so many times people are like, oh, my water broke. So I went into the hospital and I'm only zero centimeters dilated and they started Pitocin and it's a 10. And, and I don't know what to do because I'm not dilating and contractions aren't coming. And Like help me. And it's like, well, I mean, this could have been stopped if you knew that it's okay for your water to break without labor starting and to wait at home for 12 to 24 hours for labor to start on its own and rest and hydrate and watch for fever or chills or anything like that. And if you get that, then go to the hospital. It's simple. It's a simple thing to learn. But people don't think that because they trust their system and they are going into the hospital and getting railroaded. And so many times we see that and then all of a sudden your water's been broken for however many arbitrary hours the hospital decides is important. And then you get a C-section because all of these things happen if you would would have just known that it's okay to stay home. And like what's the evidence around staying home? We're not just making this up, right? There's evidence to support this, you know, and just taking a little bit of time to learn. But anyways, that's why... I'm sounding really salty today probably is because I see people get railroaded by the system all the time, all the time. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And, um, I can leave a birth and I'm not be super affected by it anymore. Like usually, but these birth experiences are yours and they're going to affect you the rest of your life. And we don't, when we know that, and we don't want you to be railroaded by the system. We want you to know and follow your heart and follow your intuition. And if your intuition is telling you unmedicated birth, not pushing on your back, not getting induced, not wanting cervical checks, then you probably want to birth at home because as soon as you walk out the door, when you're in labor to go to the hospital, your chances of having that birth go down a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean studies show that people are much more likely to have interventions in labor and birth as as soon as they are admitted in in labor, especially in early labor, right? And so if we rush to the hospital, but in our prenatals we're hearing, you know, we're or if you're maybe not with a doula but in your mind, you're like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be induced. I don't want interventions. But the second we start contractions, if we run, go in, our chances of um, interventions are sky high and the chances of cesarean are high because we're pushing these things that are leading to cesareans, right? And so don't shame yourself and offer yourself grace If you've experienced an unexpected, undesired cesarean, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. You are not alone. But know you have options. And maybe sometimes I want to just say, like, open your mind a little bit, whether you come back to that, that openness or not, or you come back to that original idea or breathing location, open your mind a little bit and learn the stats and see the stats hear the stories right Hear, hear what it can be like and I don't want to take away from anyone who has birthed in the hospital and had a beautiful experience because yeah. they can happen and they do happen mm-hmm. they do but yes there are a lot of other things that can happen in the home or outside of the hospital that may not lead to interventions and things like that because we're at home and we're not doing those things. We're doing more of that nothingness. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not doing a lot of, no, you know, anything. We're, we're doing nothing. We're watching. We're trusting. We're having the faith, right? And it's so important to, to understand that your body is capable of doing this. Mm-hmm. I have, I've had some consults lately that they just it broke my heart because people have literally told them they can't. They won't. They shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Right? Those three words, they can't have a vaginal birth. They will never have a vaginal birth. I was told that right here. Mm-hmm. I was told i would not get a baby out of my ba- out of my pelvis right like hello okay and you know they shouldn't they can't like don't believe that if you were listening to this podcast whether you be a first time mom a second time mom a v-back a c-back whatever an h-back what breach whatever the heck you were getting a breach back, <laughs> back right like Whatever the mode of delivery or who, wherever your, whatever your history is, whatever you're coming from, know you are capable. You are capable of making these choices. You are capable of doing this. It is totally possible. Totally possible. And yes, we might sound salty today. We might sound aggressive, <laughs> right? We're passionate. We're tired. Women get hurt by the system. (laughs) It's really hard, but sometimes we have to have these these hard, raw
2: conversations,
1: Direct. direct conversations to say, don't let the system get you. Don't let it get you. Don't let it bite you in the butt. It doesn't have to be like that, right? It doesn't have to be like that. and." I hate that it even has a label as in the system. You crazy. guys, this is a system and it's unfortunate. It has come to this. It is unfortunate. I wish we could all just go back to have, you know, the farm. Let's, let's bring back, let's have the farm everywhere. Right. I not far- like, let's bring back the farm and just give birth like that. You know, <laughs> what do you, don't you think Julie, like, wouldn't that just be that lovely? That would be
0: beautiful. Like I just, um. I think it's a double edged sword, right? Because up until you know the nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, maybe a little earlier than that, probably nineteen twenties or thirties, most people gave birth at home, and you only went to a hospital if there was an emergency or if you were higher risk, right?
1: Um, well, and there so- were some there were some down thing downfalls about birthing that like back then right. too. So right? yes, that's where I'm getting, that's what
0: I'm getting at because the, the, there's a reason why people transfer to the hospital. Right. And, you know, in the of the 50s, 60s and 70s, mostly in the 70s, all this new technological investments and things like that provided ways that we could save lives that otherwise would have been lost. And for that, we are incredibly grateful. We are so grateful but like we talked about a little bit earlier in the episode with that, it has evolved into a system yeah. that tries to control the birth process. And so it's a trade-off, right? And I feel like an ideal situation would be where everybody births without intervention unless there's two emergencies. And we're not talking about emergencies that, oh, I was induced at 39 weeks and my body's not progressing past the four and it been 48 hours. So now my baby's heart rate is starting to go down. So now I have to have a cesarean. That is a hospital uh, created mandatory or, or urgent cesarean. That is a hospital, a system created circumstance where a cesarean became necessary. Right. And that happens so much. It happens so much. And we have been raised to go to the hospital and have babies. We get induced. My, my mother-in-law was induced on her due date every single time. Had babies every day, on every time on her due date, had five kids. Um, Everything went perfectly well. She has no trauma um that I know who like, who really knows. It's been a little while since those things. And, but she speaks very fondly of her births and that's okay. And that's good. But now we are a generation of traumatized women from our birth experiences. And you go into a room with four people that have had babies. I guarantee two of them had a really rough experience.
1: Yeah. And I, that's another number I'm just making they, up. You're not going to be able to provide like resources for two, this. Two out of five or something like that, like have unexpected cesareans. But if, if we were to go into a room, say a restaurant, and have everyone raise their hand, you know, that had a cesarean. A ces- that's the question. Have you had a cesarean? A lot of arms are going to go up how many of those cesareans were planned there are going to be some less than half i would say there are going to be some that stay up but most of them well i have a cousin
0: that had four cesareans first one was unplanned third one scheduled she says it's the best way to have a baby. You go to the hospital, go to sleep, because she would ha- go under general and have it, and wake up and have a baby. And she loves it. She speaks very fondly of it. She That's the way she likes to birth, and, the, and that's okay. And, the, and I don't think, I don't want to come off as like romanticizing home birth, because sometimes birthing at home is hard. Sometimes, you know, your baby's in a wonky position, or sometimes your body's maybe not quite ready or not starting, especially like for first timers, it's going to be a harder and longer process. And sometimes emergencies happen, and you have to transfer to the hospital. Um, you know, and, and things like that happen and I don't want to make it sound like that never happens because it does, but there have been recent studies. I think there's three major home birth studies now that shows us just the mortality rates for mothers and babies are similar in hospital and at home. So there's like not enough difference to say one is better than the other. And, but also at home, guess what's less, less postpartum hemorrhage, less, um, baby needing resuscitation, less, um, what did I say hemorrhage already? I did less chance of severe tearing, um, less babies going to the NICU at home. Right. And so, um, it's worth considering It's It's worth exploring. And my gosh, if you are a hundred percent hospital birther, um, like I think Megan touched on this a little bit earlier, like I, we encourage you to check out home birth resources in your area. Just check them out. Just go and Mm -hmm. talk to a home birth midwife, ask her what she does in a case of an emergency, what would risk you out of birthing at home and just talk to them. You don't have to hire them, but talk Mm -hmm. to them and see what else is available and see if your intuition jives with that. And if your partner is not on board with the home birth because it's going to freak them out and you feel like it's something that you want to explore more, it's time to sit down and have a serious talk with that Mm -hmm. partner. Do not let your partner or your provider Take away the chance of having the birth you want because they feel uncomfortable about it. Oh, yeah, that's a hard one. That's a whole other... I know it is because it's important, mm-hmm. right? It's a it's it marriage, is. right? It's, and you should so respect important. each other's opinion. You should. You should yeah. respect each other's opinion. You should respect your partner. You should understand where your partner's coming from. You should take their point of view into consideration. You should be able to come to a compromise. But if your partner's not willing to do that for you, Mm-hmm. that's a problem.
1: Yeah. You know, I want to just quickly before we end, I want to kind of plug in a quick, some numbers, right? Look, you guys, are you so proud of me? Julie, you should be proud of me talking about I am proud numbers. Of you. <laughs> um, this is what I mean, you usually do. I know.
0: Before we get into that, I want to say one more thing.
1: Okay. Um,
0: I understand that some of the things that we've said are probably going to be pretty emotional for some people. And maybe some people got triggered and maybe some people just hate us now and they've already unfollowed followed us on Instagram. Who knows? I say <laughs> us like, you know, but probably me too. Who knows? Like a lot of feedback link people follow me on, on Instagram as well. And I, let me try and figure out how I'm going to circle this back around and say this. If you have been triggered by this episode, I really, really encourage you to lean into that trigger don't run away from it. Don't slash the VBAC link. Don't unfollow us. Don't unsubscribe. Don't trash talk, you know, your midwife buddy or whatever about us. It, I mean, I guess you can do all of those things. It's really your choice. But I encourage you to lean into that trigger because a triggers, I wish that we were a society of like owning our triggers instead of blaming other people for our triggers yeah. Yeah. because triggers are, are, are our own emotional responses caused by some sort of unresolved trauma or issue in our life and if you lean into that trigger and explore it and figure out why it's happening and where it's coming from you're going to be able to heal emotionally and become a better human a better it's going to affect your future pregnancies your future mm-hmm. births your future interactions with other people and how would it be to not ever feel triggered? Like that would be really cool. I wish I was never triggered, but I also know that when I am, when I get triggered, I have learned to instead of run away from it, I've learned to really lean into it and explore it and figure it out and resolve that. So I encourage you if something that we said has triggered you, then lean into it. And maybe leaning into it is on following the feedback link. Like who really knows? But I bet you there is a deeper issue there. And I wish or I hope that you would take some of the things that we have said here and consider them and maybe lean into that too and explore a little bit more. Some of the things that we're talking about and why we're feeling this way. And I also encourage you to talk to a local doula or birth photographer and ask about their experiences observing um, home birth and hospital birth.
1: Yeah. So there's my and little if you're, Yeah, you're things. great. You're great. And a quick plug in before I talk about these quick numbers If you are not aware, we actually have, the VBAC link has VBAC certified doulas all over the world. And I'm serious, like all over the world. And so if you are looking for a VBAC link doula, or if you're looking for a VBAC doula, someone that's really educated and knows their stuff about VBAC and knows how to support you, and also to help find a a really solid provider and location and help you determine where is best for you, check out our directory at the VBAC slash find a doula and search your area because seriously, these doulas are incredible. And when Julie and I, um, a long time ago, back in what, 2018, uh, 18. Started, yeah. Started it's this been five years coming up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. A, couple, a couple more months. Yeah, Back when we Sorry. were together and we started this company, this goal, the, our goal is to like help change the VBAC world. Right. But we cannot do this alone, um, as individuals. And so we have all these incredible doulas helping us, um, out there. So if you're looking for a VBAC doula, I just have to just, I have to glow about them because they are amazing. amazing. Um, but let's talk really quickly before we let you go about success rates. And there is a study that was done and I actually think it was done. It's a little, it was published in 2015, but I believe it was like through 2004 to through 2009, which makes me even wonder now after COVID, what it would be, what this would be because home birth um, HVAC or just home birth in general has has skyrocketed since COVID because a lot of people were just like we were talking about in the beginning, having their their people stripped from them, having to wear masks, having to deal with the fear of losing their baby if they tested positive, right? Like all these things. So but this is a while ago and um the success rate was examined it's a sl- it's a lower number right uh, of like 1050 or something like that but the rate of successful h back was 87% 87 that's a
0: pretty amazing you, you guys, know what? that's amazing. higher than the apas like as apa says that 60 to 80% of 80. people who attempt a VBAC will be will successful. successful.
1: Just in general, a VBAC, yes. That's like, general. That's hospital, home birth, uh, freaking yes. movie theater birth, whatever. Um, yes. yes, 60 to 80%. But this at home, did you hear that? 87%. At home, 87%. Now, I want to talk about transfer rates. So they had a um, an average of a 18% transfer rate. And I want to. It is kind of high, but I want to talk about that because a lot of people might think 18% transfer rate and they may automatically go to like Joe Rogan's page and hear, oh, what they're saying is so true. Like all these terrible things are happening. You guys know <laughs> the majority. Yeah. Well, did, did you see that? Anyway, if you haven't seen that video, then you'll have to check it out. But like Joe Rogan and this lady, anyway, I don't even want to go into it. It was so annoying. I just rolled my eyes the whole time, but so anyway, so the the majority of these people that were transferring, I want to preface, it was not because there was a crazy emergency. The transfer was most common for failure to progress. Now, failure to progress, we know has a lot of things, right? And we know that a lot sometimes a failure to progress can be due to cervical scarring or Maybe we've had really long prodromal labor, things like that. So there's there's a whole bunch of different reasons why, but failure to progress and they needed to go to the hospital to then benefit from some of the things that the hospital offers, right? Like pitocin or you know, something like that. So, but still only 18%, which I know it sounds high, but still 87% had. Successful V back at home, an HBAC. Okay, so I also want to two things.
0: First of all, the study might have had certain protocols to follow Uh, for transfer. So that might have caused certain hours transfer before necessary. I don't know. I haven't seen the study, but also the second thing is I heard somewhere, and maybe and it might be different because this is a study, right? With protocols, I heard somewhere, and I feel like from my circumstances support that is that, um, most hospital transfers are due to maternal exhaustion. Like, or they're just so Mm -hmm. tired, like they've been leaving Mm -hmm. for so long, but I don't have a number to back that up or whatever, but that's interesting that that study shows that that's really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so there, there are things, right. And we know that women at home can sometimes have, you know, just there's lack of, there's a lack of resource, but like, you can also talk to your provider if you're breathing at home and talk about like, Hey, if I'm not progressing, what kind of things can we do? Right. Mm -hmm. Like to help progress. And sometimes that's processing and sometimes that's nipple stimulation. And sometimes that's getting everyone out of a room, turning off the lights and taking a nap. It's just, it's, there are so many things that go into it, but again, it's a really sm- it's a pretty small, re- you know, sh- study relatively, but still I'm like, wow, this, it does, it does represent something, right? It represents mm-hmm. something and, and we can't ignore it. But anyway, we are pro choice. We are pro everybody making the best choice for them but we do. We're also pro not watching
0: the system railroad people. I was going to say,
1: we do see so many things that are so avoidable. I've had clients in the past years. We had one client, I don't know, probably two years ago. It was, she was like 38 and five, I want to say, weeks. I'd have to go back and look at my notes, but, and the provider was like, you know, I don't know. You look kind of big. looks like this baby's measuring big. Like, could be anywhere between like eight to ten pounds. Like, you should probably just probably induce. Like, I'll totally support this feedback, but let's induce. Uh, mm. cervix wasn't really doing much, like, you know, it, it just wasn't an ideal s- spot to be walking in for an induction. And they required breaking water, like, wouldn't put Pitocin, and then the water had to when the water was broken. Well, then they needed Pitocin after that, which is mm. kind of kind of interesting right like mm-hmm. so she got her to the one started pitocin iupc placed fsc placed all of these things boom 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 and it was just so hard so hard because you guys i adore This person, I adore this person. It was so hard to see these things and see the path that it was going down, knowing that the end result was likely coming to a repeat cesarean when that's not what she was wanting. And it was so hard texting my doula community, like my resource, you know, group that we all have as birth workers, Mm -hmm. saying like, "You guys, pray." Pray, like this is like, pray. This is just one of those miracles because it's one of those situations we see too often. And it did. It ended in a repeat, cesarean, Although it was uh, a healing, it wasn't anything emergency. She did heal from it, but it didn't need to happen. And I, and I yeah. can't say that for a guarantee. I can't say something sure. didn't happen, but it didn't need to happen that way. Mm-hmm. And so, women of strength, here we are we love you. We know that you are in a hard situation. We've been there. We've been there. Julie's been told by providers in the hospital that she would rupture. I was told that I would rupture that, or no, you were told that your baby would die. I was told me, I would me, me and my baby yes. will die. We were told <laughs> these really scary things. And so do we hate the hospital? No. Do we hate it? No. Do we hate what we see in it? Yes. Yeah, a lot of times. <laughs> we hate it. We hate what we see because so many, I mean, not always, right? I can't say we always hate what we see, but so many times we hate seeing things yeah. that are just avoidable. So, you know, here we are, know that we're here. We've got our course, we've got the blog, we've got this podcast, we've got our private Facebook community, we have Instagram, we have, I mean, we have. So many resources filled with evidence-based information. So, if you are learning, to, if you're wanting to up your VBAC game and learn about the history of VBAC, learn about VBAC or cesarean history of cesarean. Learn about VBAC. Learn about how to find that right provider. Learn how to tap into where you want to birth and really tune into that. You guys, this course is going to help you walk through that path. And whether or not you choose another cesarean, you choose a VBAC, you choose an induction, you choose home birth, hospital birth, midwife, OB, unmedicated, medicated, whatever it may be, we are here to support you. But it is so important to us that you find that information, that you are filled with the evidence-based information ready to take on the birth and have the birth experience. Right? Right. So if you want to learn more about all of these resources, check the show notes. They're all going to be listed. Go to the vbacklink.com. Click around, you guys. You're going to get lost in there because' it's there's a lot. There's a lot of incredible information. But yeah, Julie, anything you want to add before we last? go.
0: I do have something I want to add. Listen, me and Megan want to do a birth together, a Vback. Maybe home, maybe a hospital. But if you're in Utah, Salt Lake or Utah County, Libra Davis, Tooelea, Park City, any of those areas, reach out because we will, we have a special bundle discount that we will give to you if you hire Megan as your doula and me as your birth photographer. Um, You
1: guys, we've we've never, we've never done a birth, we've done a birth together as doulas. Like like backups, yeah. Switching out, but we've never Mm -hmm. done a birth as birth photographer doula. So Julie really wants us to work together. I do. We'll
0: give give a package deal. We'll take some money off of our services for you so that we can have that experience. And then you get both of us at your birth, which is a total win. That would be really fun. It would
1: really, really, really be fun. So there you
0: go. Okay,
1: listeners, we love you. We love you so much. Happy Cesarean Awareness Month. It's April. We're going to be posting out those you know, stats and all the things this month. So stay tuned. If you have not followed us on Instagram or Facebook, check us out at the VBAC link. That's it. The VBAC link. You can find us anywhere. And we are so grateful for you're here, you're, that you're here. Hopefully after today's episode, you're not unfollowing us on all of this stuff. But really, <laughs> we love you. Just have to say that.
0: And you can follow me at Julie Frankenberg.
1: Yes, and, and go follow face, Julie at forget. Julie Brankham, Brankham Birth at Frank. I can't speak. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Right. Bye, guys.
2: Interested in sharing your VBAC story on the podcast? Submit your story at slash share. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.